A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. When my kids were little, they loved putting on plays. We lived in a house that was built in 1900 and it had a terrifying basement. The floor was cement with cracks in it and exposed dirt. The walls had wood slats in them and there was just stuff stuffed in there for some of the insulation. There was pretty intact foundational blocks around the bottom, but otherwise it looked like a dungeon. There was one room where the previous owners had put up some sheetrock just to make it a little bit nicer. So when we replaced the carpet in our living room, we dragged it down to the basement and laid it over top the cracked cement floors. I had a friend come down with me once because I was getting some laundry ready and that's where our laundry room was. And she's walking down and she stops halfway and she's like, ooh, do you think there's spiders down there? And I laughed and thought, 100%, yes, there's spiders. You will be lucky if that's all we see. Let me just say we had a cat for a really good reason. Anyway, we were down in the basement and I would go down there and the kids would do plays for hours. They would string up ropes and wires from the ceiling and they would throw their stuffed animals down these wires with different ropes and clips and things and they pretend it was Tinkerbell or flying animals. Once they wrapped up their youngest brother in a bunch of toilet paper and made him lay really still, and then they would either say, Lazarus, come forth, or sometimes he was Jesus at the resurrection, which was a delight to me. And not so much because they were acting out Bible plays, but it marked the fact that they were done reenacting the crucifixion scene. You see, one day I was doing dishes in the kitchen and was looking in the backyard And I could tell they had something up their sleeve, these kids. They had their toolbox ready and there was a pile of wood. In their toolbox, they had a hammer and some nails. My husband thought it was fun for them to learn how to work with stuff early on. And and I didn't think it was a great idea, but I acquiesced and just said, please no saws. At least just the hammer and the nails to start with. So they had that. I didn't know exactly what they were doing, but it looked productive and it looked creative and it looked like it wasn't going to hurt anyone. So I kept working in the kitchen, doing dishes, getting dinner ready or whatever it was I was doing. And pretty soon I heard steps running into the kitchen and my four kids, mom, mom, you have to come out and see what we did. You are going to love it. So I ran to the backyard and I looked and in the middle of our backyard, there was a cross in the ground. And on the cross was Miss Piggy crucified. This Miss Piggy doll had been given from the older boys to their sister when she had her tonsils out. It was kind of a cool thing because she could learn how to button and do zippers and tie ties and stuff like that. But for right now, apparently, she was learning how to appreciate the crucifixion scene. And there was Miss Piggy in the middle of the backyard. It looked super weird. But they were really excited and they were saying, oh, look, now we will always remember Jesus died on the cross for us. So I walked a little bit closer and said, yeah, wow, yeah, woo, yeah, this is great. Yep, we sure will remember that. You know, guys, but here's the deal. Miss Piggy doesn't look a lot like Jesus, so let's take her down off of the cross. There we go. And let's just remember it in a different way. 
But thanks, that was really nice of you to want to remember Jesus on the cross. So I went back in the kitchen and I heard pounding and I heard some other things um, going on in the backyard. And I would look out occasionally, but they were just a little bit out of sight. And I was just going to turn around and go figure out what it was they were doing. And, and I bumped into them coming in the back door. Mom, mom, now you have to see. So I followed them out and turned to the corner. And there was the Jack and the Beanstalk doll crucified. They said, look, he has long hair just like Jesus. And he has clothes, but not like Jesus's. But he looks way more like Jesus than Miss Piggy did. Now, that part was a fact. And so I thought, hmm, I'm just going to go with this. And I said, oh, yes, doesn't he, though? All right, let's finish this. And so I said, and then he stayed on the cross. And then he was taken down. And he was buried. And then there was a day and another day. And on the third day, he rose again. And, and now let's just remember that. And would it be OK? And then I said one of those sentences. You ever do this when you take care of kids, when you're teaching kids or whatever? You start saying sentences that you'd never think you'd hear yourself say. Like, when would this ever need to be uttered? And this was one of those sentences. I said, okay, guys, let's stop crucifying things for now. And let's think about something else to do. So they got busy and started doing something else. I got into the kitchen and started finishing up what I was doing. And moments later, I started hearing from the front this time, this faint, faint noise of shouting. So I ran through the house, came to the front window and looked out and saw one of the twins on a bike waving branches. I saw the other twin pulling a wagon with his youngest brother in it, waving branches. I saw my daughter bringing up the rear, waving branches as they're walking on branches and the branches are getting all caught up in the wheels of the wagon and they're screaming at the top of their lungs, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. I saw some neighbors out looking and I ran outside. I'm like, oh, guys, hey, look, we're not crucifying anyone. They showed it. Oh, my goodness. And I ran up. I said, yeah, that's great. Okay, but can I just ask, where did you get these branches? These little Minnesota kids waving these things. I wasn't even sure what they were. And they said, we'll show you. They were so excited. We ran to the next door neighbors, Mr. and Mrs. Bjork, the sweetest older couple ever, ran to their backyard where they had beautiful landscaping and... In this one bed where they used to have piles of beautiful ferns, they had a bunch of stubble. And they said, look, they have palm branches. And they had chopped down all their ferns. We went to the front door and rang the bell. And I knew that they were going to be so gracious. Um, Mrs. Bjork used to make us donuts and then thank us for being able to make donuts for us. Mr. Bjork used to do repairs on the kids' bikes or help my husband around in the garage and they'd be puttering about. They were so sweet. But our kids rang the doorbell. They answered the door and they looked up at them and they said, Mr. and Mrs. Bjork, we are sorry that we cut down all of your plants. And they're standing there with them. And granted, they were so great. They were so sweet. They said, oh, no, yeah, that's no problem. They'll come back next year. And I'm sitting here thinking, how do they do that? They didn't even have a saw. So anyway, the basement antics were welcome compared to this. My husband and I would often be invited to sit and watch their plays. Some were Bible-based, some made up. One day, I felt very compelled to teach them about plot and denouement. I said, a plot is where something's happening like a story, something's happening. And then a denouement is where there's some closure, something happened. And so we love watching these plays, but the next one, 
Could you come prepared with a plot and a denouement, do you think? I told them I could hardly wait to see a play that contained both of those things. And the day came. I was in the kitchen again. I sound like I'm so busy in the kitchen, but these things just happen then. All right, so I'm in the kitchen again. One of the twins came up and he had a towel draped over his arm. He comes up, plants his feet and says, Mom, Mom. I turned around and looked and he said, Hear ye, hear ye. There is a play in the basement and you are invited. I said, oh, I'm so excited. He said, wait, this play has a plot and a denouement and you are invited. I said, oh, I cannot wait. This sounds very exciting. And so I followed this butler slash usher slash town crier slash took his job very seriously kid down the steps and around the corner. I made my way to the basement and I saw a chair set up facing kind of a promising set. There was a rocking horse, a rocking chair, a stool. There was a bear already in costume, smiling and excited for this play to start. I saw the other two kids hiding behind the wall, peeking around the corner to see if I had arrived. My usher took center stage after taking my ticket that had been made for me and announced, today we are going to do a play for you. Greetings, audience. I paused for a minute, trying to take in what he said. And then I thought, oh my goodness, he thinks audience is a plural word. I'm one person, so I'm the audience. I have to say, I don't remember what happened with the bear, the rocking horse that day, but I remember thinking that from then on, I was going to always remember this moment. And I thought, you know, this is exactly how I'm supposed to live my life. I'm supposed to live my life for the audience. I need to live my life for God alone. The difference, of course, is he is also the one who provides the plot. And in his perfect timing, he's also the one who provides a denouement. But in the meantime, it is his attention and only his that I should seek. Jesus tells us, if we look in Matthew 6, that we should fast in a way that nobody else notices but the Father. We do that for him, him alone. He tells us we should give gifts in a way where only God sees. Not with trumpets, not with great fanfare, not with, oh, look at what I'm doing here. No, only for God. Jesus tells us that we should seek him first. We should seek his glory and not the glory of others. Paul understood that too in Galatians 1 verse 10. He says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. I love the way he says that so succinctly and so clearly. He doesn't say, you know, if pleasing people were my goal, that would be pretty good. And I could kind of be Christ's servant. He says, no, if people pleasing was my goal, I could not be God's servant. We know that we cannot serve both God and other stuff. We need to seek his approval and his approval alone. In Colossians 3, 23 and 24, Paul's talking to the believers of Colossae and us as well, really, and tells us that whatever we do, we are to do our work as though we're working for the Lord rather than people. He reminds us, remember, the Lord is the one who will give you an inheritance as a reward and that the master you are serving is Christ alone. What a gift. What a gift that we can use our energies for the Lord alone. But here's the deal. Christ is not only our audience, he is also our Lord and our master. He's the one who sets the stage. Who's in this drama today? He's the one who decides that. He's the one who chooses the props. 
What is this doing here? How is this going to add to his story and to his glory? Remember, the plot is all about him too. The resolution is all about him. At the end of the plot, what is it? To God be the glory. So he's the one who chooses these things. He's the one who says action. He's the only one who can say exit, stage left, stage right. We can look at him and say, line, when we're not sure what to say. We can ask him for direction when we're confused. In fact, anytime we lack wisdom, we can ask him for it. He promises in James 1, he will give it to us generously without reproach. He will give us the words to say. He promised that the Holy Spirit was going to come for the disciples. And he says, you can stand before kings and do not be worried about what you are going to say, because I will give you the words. So he gives us this word. When we're in the midst of a scene and we don't really understand what's going on, and we feel tension between the actors, and we're uncomfortable as we wait, what do we do? We trust that his plan is perfect, and the ending that he has prepared is exactly how it should be. And then, the most amazing thing of all is that he's not only the audience, he's not only the Lord and Master who is setting and directing each scene, he is also, wait for this, he is also placing himself in every single one with us, walking beside us. Our audience is also our strength. So today, as you interact at work or talk with your neighbors or hang out with family, or whatever you do, recognize as you live for the audience, as you follow his lead and direction with the grace and power he makes available to you, as you do this through your life, through the joyous times, through the confusing times, through the tension-filled times, know for a fact that as you live with his attention and his intention, you will always live out a good story. 